Making disciples is not just a core value of Coastal Deer Park. But more importantly, making disciples is a core value of the kingdom of God. Amen? We do it because the king of glory said do it. It's a core value in the kingdom of God that we make disciples. And as we look here at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus, he gives the great commission, his last words to his disciples before he returned back into heaven. So we're going to look this morning at, at the importance of making disciples, the simplicity of making disciples, and also practical steps in how we can make disciples. Because we want to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of King Jesus' words. Amen? So read along with me, if you will, here in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. The word of God says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray together. Father God, in Jesus' mighty name, we come to you. We thank you, Lord, that in all your greatness and your holiness, you truly love us. Lord, through Jesus Christ, your son and his blood sacrifice, you have made us clean and acceptable in your sight. We thank you, Father, that you call us first and foremost unto yourself. And you also call us to your mission to make your son Jesus famous on the earth. And Lord, we take, we ask that you take your holy word and by your Holy Spirit that you plant it deep into our hearts right now as we look at what you said, Jesus before you ascended back into heaven. As we look at your great commission and your command to us, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, Lord, we pray that you would bless this time. Work in our hearts, all of our hearts, by your Holy Spirit, by your Holy Word, and do help us to be not just hearers, but doers of what you say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to look at the importance of making disciples. And let me ask a simple question. Why is it important? I've alluded to it already, but it, making disciples is extremely important because it is actually the, the command of Jesus. Jesus commands it. Making disciples is, is Christ's command. If we look here in verse 19 of the Great Commission, I'll read that one more time. Jesus says, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as we look at, at, at this verse, there's three verbs. It's the verb to go, to make, and to baptize. And if we look in the original language, we can see that all verbs, they're not created equal. Of those three verbs, there is one that is in the imperative mode. It is a clear command from Christ Jesus, the King himself. And that verb is to make disciples. The other two verbs, to go and to baptize, they hinge upon that one command of Christ. They lend themselves and accent that one command to make disciples. As a matter of fact, we can translate verse 19 like this. We could actually say, as you go through life, make sure you do this one thing, make disciples. And yes, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Great Commission, uh, my brothers and sisters in Christ, it's not the great suggestion. 
It's the Great Commission. It's a command from King Jesus. It's not optional. In Christ's kingdom, that is. In God's kingdom, it's not optional. Regardless of our personality, introvert, extrovert, regardless of our spiritual gifting or our educational level or our age and season of life, regardless of all those things, that really doesn't matter. All that matters is this. Do we know Jesus? Do we love him and want to follow him and do what he says? That's all that matters. Whether you're 8 or 88, he said, Whatever you're doing in life, as you go through life, make sure you do this one thing. Reproduce yourself spiritually. The Christ is being formed in you. May, through, may you join God in helping that Christ nature be formed in another person. Make disciples. Jesus said. And it's interesting how he sets it up. You know, with verse 18, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What did he just do, people? He just rose from the dead bodily. He just defeated death and the devil and sin. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. And he says, it's as if he's saying, I just conquered death, conquered the devil. I conquered sin. And now let's do what I came down here for in the first place. Let's conquer the world. How? Through you. As you do what I say and make disciples who make disciples who in turn make other disciples. Jesus, thus says the Lord. Jesus Christ to you and to me. And by the way, he is the king. And of course, he has the right to tell us what to do with our lives. Amen. And with our priorities and our finances and our relationships, he does have that right. He created us and then he's recreated us as we're born again in Christ, etc. So the, the, making the, uh, disciples is important because it is Christ's command. But in addition to being Christ's command, it is the Christian's calling to make disciples. If King Jesus commands us right then, it becomes our calling, people. Amen. When he commands it, it's, it is the calling of every believer, every Christian, to do what he says. And he says, make disciples. It's a huge part of your calling and your destiny as a, as a follower of Christ Jesus to make disciples. Every believer making disciples, reproducing themselves spiritually. It is, and if we do not, we miss a huge component of God's order, of his will, of his plan for our lives. Again, regardless of our spiritual gifting or our personality, you don't have to be a great teacher to make disciples. You just have to live a great life. You love God a lot and you love people a lot. And you model for them in practical ways how to love and submit to God. And let me tell you, if, if Christ is filling our hearts, the Holy Spirit of Christ is filling us, guess what? He comes out of what we say. If Christ is filling us, it comes out of our demeanor and our everything about us. And you know what? It's noticeable. In a dark world, the light of Christ is noticeable and it's contagious. And it's our calling. Making disciples is our calling, is our destiny, is our privilege to join God. You know, in a sense, uh, we pray the Lord's Prayer Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, in a sense, to pray that and not make disciples, in a sense, is to pray and to live a contradiction. Your kingdom come, your ways, and the, it's a contradiction. It's a, in a sense, it's like to attempt to build a brick house without bricks. Or to build the kingdom of God without using his blueprint. To not make disciples. It's his command 
And it's also our calling from the Lord. It's our calling in the sense that it's a call to obedience. We, we just talked about that in verse 19. He clearly commanded every Christian, make disciples. No matter what you're doing in life, make sure you do this one thing. You're investing in other people. You're in your relationship, friendship with them so that Christ is formed. A call to obedience. Jesus said in John 14, he says, if you love me, you will you'll obey me. If you really love me, you'll do what I say. You'll keep my commandments, Jesus says. It's a call to obedience, but it's also a call making disciples. It's a call to fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Jesus said, by this is my Father glorified that you bear much. That you bear much. Okay, we're getting there. Bear much fruit. Spiritual fruit glorifies God. Amen? And you know, there's all different types of spiritual fruit. For example, if God the Holy Spirit lives in us, we accept Christ, the Son of God. And when we truly call on the name of the Lord, we're saved. We turn from our sin. And at that point, when we call on Christ, God the Holy Spirit comes to inhabit the believer. Amen? If you know Christ, God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Amen? Now, if he's really in us and we're allowing him to have his way in us, you know what else is going to be in us? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruits of the Holy Spirit. There's all kinds of fruit. It should come out of how we talk and, and how we deal with difficult people. Fruit. There's all kinds of fruit in the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit. There's the fruit of service. You serve God with your time and your gifts. You serve God by your giving, with your, with your treasure, your talent, and your time. These are different types of fruit. But listen. Here's one more type of spiritual fruit that glorifies the Heavenly Father, and that's this. As we accept Christ and yield to Him, do you know what happens to us? We ourselves are conformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. We become like Jesus. You know what it says in the book of Romans? It's, that it's God's will that we be conformed into the image of His Son. You, it does, he doesn't alter your personality. He sanctifies your personality. And as we get closer to Jesus, you, we start looking like little Jesuses on this earth. He says it's the Father's will to conform us into the image of his son Jesus so that Christ might have many brethren. If we in our character become like Jesus Christ, does that glorify the Father? Does it please the Father? Oh my goodness, that fruit glorifies the Father God. And let me I'll also say this, let's take it a step further. If Christ is having his way in us, brothers and sisters, we will grow in love and patience and all these things. And as we have experienced the life of God in us and his forgiveness and his kindness, undeserved kindness and mercy, one thing we will not be able to do, and that's hold it to ourselves. Christ is being formed in us and because we're driven and controlled by the love of Christ we begin to love others that are surround us because he's in us and so not only is Christ formed in us but we join with God to see Christ formed in other people our family our colleagues at work our neighbors Jesus Christ being formed in us and then we join God to see Jesus Christ formed in other people and you know what that is it's discipleship. That's making disciples. That's really what it's, it's not a program. It's to see Christ formed in us and, and others as well. And that, and then, is that fruit please the Father, do you think? Yes, indeed. Making disciples is a call to fruitfulness, to become like Christ, because we're with Christ and we love Christ and we pass that on to other people in, with intentionality. 
Making disciples is a call to fruitfulness. In quality, but also in quantity. In quantity. We mentioned here that Christ commands us all to make disciples regardless of your spiritual gifting or temperament or whatever. Let's just take, for example, the gift of evangelism. Evangelists get a lot of attention, and God bless them. May we have good, humble evangelists in our midst. Amen? Whether it's before a crowd of 2,000 or whether it's just talking to somebody at the, at the bus stop, it doesn't, regardless, may God give them. But let's just say, for example, here at Deer Park, at Coastal Deer Park, there were 10 evangelists, and they were so gifted at evangelism that each single day they led one person to Jesus Christ. And at the end of, at the end of uh, a year, how many would have come to the Lord Jesus? 3,650, 10 evangelists. And that's wonderful. At the end of 20 years, how many would have come to Christ? 73,000. Is that not good? God give us evangelists. Amen? Well, let's just say at, at Coastal Deer Park, there were 10 individuals. They're not good at evangelism. I mean, half of them are introverts, and they have a hard time talking to anybody. But that's okay. God made introverts, didn't he? He made us extroverts too, didn't he? All right, equal play, equal value, just wired different. But these 10 individuals, they weren't good at evangelism, but they really loved Jesus, and they loved people, and they were committed to making disciples. And those 10 disciple makers in the first year, they helped one person come to Christ, and after helping them come to Christ, they spent time with them. And they taught them how to read the scriptures every day and gain strength from the word of God and taught them how to pray and taught them how to love their spouses and their families how to resist temptation, and how to exercise the spiritual disciplines, which makes us strong, and taught them also how you need your disciple as well. And they gave them a lot of time. They spent, and, they, and at the end of a year, these 10 disciple makers, as, each, as they reach one, how, and they teach them to reach one, at the end of a year, the 10 disciple makers become how many? 20. At the end of two years, the 20 becomes how many? 40. And in the third year, 40 becomes 80. And as each one reaches one, at the end of 20 years, how many do you have? 10,485,760 disciple makers who are reaching for people because Christ is being formed in them. I said 10 million. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, was he aware of the principle of exponential growth through multiplication? It was his plan. It's God's plan. Because each number is not just a number. It's an eternal soul that Jesus bled for. And God wants to reach people. Amen? Do we want to reach people? That's the question. He commands us, make disciples. From the book of Genesis, he was the God of multiplication. Be fruitful and multiply. Biological children. Because he had a plan to fill the earth and bring Christ and save. And in Matthew chapter 28... He, said, he says, be fruitful and multiply, as he says, go make disciples. He's the God of multiplication. And you know, uh, the Apostle Paul got that. In 2 Timothy 2, 2, Paul says to Timothy, he says, Timothy, the things you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these things entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others as well. Do you see there? He didn't just teach Timothy. He said, Timothy, you find faithful men, pass it on to them, and then they will in turn do what? Pass it on to another. This is God's design. This is God's plan. I don't know why it escapes us so easily, but it's God's plan. If you look in 2 Timothy 2, 2, there in verse 2, there are four generations of disciple makers. Paul's the first generation, 
And he's speaking to Timothy, his disciple, the second generation. And he says, Timothy, pass this on to faithful men, the third generation, who will in turn be able to what? Teach others. There's four generations in one verse. How many of us can say we have one, two, three, four spiritual generations in our lives because we've made disciples who are working on their disciples and they're working on their disciples? I think God would like it if we all had multiple generations of spiritual children. What do you think? I think it's his will. Amen? So, so making disciples is a call to fruitfulness. And the apostle Paul got it. But you know, it's not just in the Bible that we see this. This multiplication thing, this making disciples thing, it's not just in the Bible. For example, look, look if you will. Look at nature, the created order. Everything that is alive and healthy has offspring. And has offspring that they show them the way, they model it for them, then they have offspring and they have offspring. Look at the natural order that God created in nature. You see a multiplication. You see discipleship, if you will. And not only in nature, but look at human civilization. In human civilization, they have something that's called, well, it, for thousands of years, this put, discipleship has been a part of every successful culture on the planet. Every successful culture on the planet. It's the guild system, if you're familiar with that. No matter what the trade is, whether it's carpentry or metalworks or agriculture, there's always a master, and the master has what? An apprentice or several apprentices. And what does he do? He shares his knowledge and expertise with the apprentices. And once they get it, they become a master. And what do they do? They have several apprentices. And it goes on and on. And every functional society in history has done that, and they prosper. And it's beautiful. It's in, it's in the scriptures, it's in nature, it's in human civilization. If we go to Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, he said something that was interesting. He said, come unto me all you are weary and heavy laden and you will find rest for your souls. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, Jesus said. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now the yoke is an instrument that goes on the neck and shoulders of the beast of burden, an ox and a horse, a cow. And Jesus said he has a yoke. Take it upon you. And if you look closer in the original language, you can, it's obvious to see, and it's also obvious in history, that the yoke was not singular. They were, it was a double yoke, two yokes. Every, in the agricultural community that they, that they had in Israel, there were two yokes, and the first yoke was for a mature oxen. And when the master says, go, he goes. And when he says, ho, he stops. And he says, left and right. Well, that mature oxen, he knows what to do. Who's the second yoke for? The juvenile oxen. He's clueless. He didn't like that whip. Psh, psh, go, ho. But when he hooks up together with the mature oxen, oh, that means go left. Oh, go, stop. And he, he's discipled, if you will. And once he becomes mature, they release him and they pair him up with another juvenile. And guess what happened? The farm grows. The fruit and the productivity increases. And it's a beautiful thing. Let me ask you this. Who were you yoked up together with today and doing life together with? Who were you pulling through the difficulties in life? Because you're yoked up together in a discipleship relationship. It's, it's, all, it's all throughout History, the scriptures, etc. But it seems, it almost seems like this. It seems like in the Bible we have the Great Commission, but in a lot of our churches we have the Great Blind Spot. 
You got the Great Commission and the Great Omission. It seems as though we miss that. It's, it's the, maybe the great neglect. We somehow neglect re reproducing ourselves spiritually. And I actually think it's unintentional. It's unintentional, but yet it's, it's devastating in many ways. Make disciples. It's his command and his call. It's called a fruitfulness. It's as if we're distracted, possibly from because of busyness or an obsession with entertainment or self-focus, etc. It's almost as if there's, let me say this, there is power in distraction. What gets your attention gets you. There's power in distraction. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11.3, he said, I am afraid, I am afraid lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, that you too have been led astray in your minds from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. Paul said, I'm afraid that you've become, become distracted from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. And I think something we struggle with is this, is that we are distracted from the simplicity and the purity of making disciples and reproducing ourselves spiritually. But God is calling us not to distraction, but to devotion, to focus, and to live in such a way that make our lives matter for the kingdom of Christ. Amen? Amen. Well, the importance of making disciples, it's important because Christ commands it. It's important because it's our, the Christian's calling, a call to obedience and fruitfulness. But at this time, I'd like for us to also look at the simplicity of making disciples. Simplicity. Now, have you heard the acronym KISS? K-I-S-S. -S? What does that stand for? Keep it simple. I heard you say that word. Keep it simple, silly. Keep it simple, saints. You know, I don't know what it is about human nature, but we seem to complicate the peanut butter sandwich. I mean, something, I don't think God tries to make it complicated. I think we do. Sometimes with salvation, they think you have to do all these things to try to earn it. That never happens. It's a free gift. Except Jesus, believe in him, repent from your sin, you're saved. And we do the same thing with discipleship. I think it's, it's simpler than we believe. And you know, I, now listen, I didn't say it was easy. Simple, but hard. It's a spiritual battle, actually. And so, but the simplicity of discipleship, let's look at that just for a moment. What is discipleship? Well, first of all, one thing it is not, it's not merely, it's not merely a weekly Bible study. Though Bible study is huge, a true disciple will love the Word of God and want to ingest the Word of God because it's our strength, it's our light, light into our path, it's sweet as honey. The Word of God is powerful, and a true disciple, because he loves the Lord, also loves the Scriptures. Amen? So we should be in the Word continually. But making disciples is more than a weekly Bible study. It's actually a relationship, a relationship with intention, to see ourselves transformed in the likeness of Christ. It's a friendship. It's a friendship that results in increased obedience to Jesus. Another way to put it is this. The true discipleship, it's relational more than educational. It's relational more than educational. Jesus lived with his disciples. He did life with them. And when we're yoked up together with someone, we're doing life with them. Maybe you work together. Maybe there are people under your roof. And I'll just say this, your family matters. 
Start with your spouse and your children. Disciple them, please. Amen? And some of you mothers, you may have four little ones and half of them are in diapers and so forth. And all you have time and energy for is your family. And you know what? That is okay. That's okay. That's okay. But for others, you have, you, maybe you don't have two or three children. But do you have neighbors? Do you have colleagues at work? Make disciples of them. And it's relational more than educational. You know, I remember when I was at Mintzfield High School, graduated in the early 80s. I know that you, that's hard to believe. You thought I graduated in the late, in the early 2000s, but somebody, when somebody said, somebody wants to go to Coastal Deer Park. I, I saw him in my neighborhood. I said, oh, yeah? Yeah, they said, yeah, I heard the old man preach. I thought I'd go back, check it out. Oh, well. But in Mintzfield High School, uh, uh, I was, uh, before going to high school, I was in middle school, ninth grade, and I used to be a wild child. Used to uh, party and play sports and do stupid stuff. And, uh, and one day in ninth grade, I got in two fist fights with this guy named Richard, and we became enemies. He's pretty good. We were one and one, because we respected each other, and the principal said, don't do it again. So, okay. So that was ninth grade. Tenth grade, uh, uh, the summer before tenth grade, Jesus radically changed my life. I went from craziness to Christ. Best thing ever. And so Jesus radically changed my life, and I was going, I played football, so I was uh, at the foot, summer football practices, two a day, and during lunch break, I'm walking around, and there's Richard watching the cheerleaders, the guy we got in a fight with, and so uh, we were enemies, so I walked up and said, but now Jesus said, love your enemies, right? So I walked over, I gave Richard, how you doing? He goes, oh, good, Randy, how are you? I said, fine. He says, uh, I said, what you doing? He says, well, I'm watching the cheerleaders. I said, oh. I said, well, you know, Jesus said, if you look upon a woman with lust, you commit that sin in your heart. He said, well, I'm not looking at him like that. I said, oh, okay, well, that's good. He says, he said, you read the Bible? I said, yeah, this summer Jesus changed my life, and I'm never going back to those old ways. He said, really? I said, yeah. That day he asked me about 400 questions about Jesus. He walked me all the way home from Denby to where we live, and, he, and we became friends. We played football together. We did lunch together. We lift weights together. We, uh, we start, he and I and some teachers, we started Bible studies and prayer groups at, at Minchville, and uh, we, we talk about girls together, the do's and the no-do's as a man of God, right? And all these things, and, you know, and, and, and we, we became buddies, friends, and some other people joined us. It was beautiful, and, and you know what happened? We were being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And all of Minchville High School could see it too. Not all of them approved, but they could see it. And we, and, and do you know what was actually happening? It was discipleship. Making disciples of one another. Through what? A weekly study? Not necessarily, but a relationship, a friendship that's real. It's God's design. My wife, when she was in college as a freshman, she got serious in her relationship with Jesus. And, uh, and a junior in her college came up to her. Her name was Suzanne. And she said, Leah, uh, can I disciple you? And she said, what is that? She said, well, we'll get together once a week. Maybe we'll read the Bible and we'll pray for each other and we'll talk and, and read through it. So they started getting together once a week. And sometimes they'd read a chapter of the Bible. Sometimes they'd read through a book. And then they just started walking once a week for an hour and a half. And they'd walk and they'd talk and they'd, they'd pray for each other and talk about life issues. And my wife was transformed. My wife became a woman of God during that time. 
And I think I need to tell Suzanne, thank you very much. But it's a relationship. And God has people for you to pour your life into. God has Timothys and Tituses for you to yoke together with and do life together. Amen? Because he commanded it. Jesus commanded it. And may we do it. It's, 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 it's more relational than educational. And one other thing, the simplicity of discipleship, it's relational. Another thing is that it's obedience-based discipleship. Obedience-based discipleship. It's not how much information, but it's life transformation. Life transformation over knowledge accumulation. The devil knows the Bible back and forth, doesn't he? Better than we do. But it's not about how much you know, it's how much you submit to the king, Jesus. And are we growing in submission to Christ? That's a sign of a disciple. And so, so it's, it's, uh, it's, the simplicity is that it's relational, and it's also obedience-based. And just for a few moments, we're going to look at some practical steps to making disciples. Practical steps. First and foremost, to raise your hand if you have a disciple or two, and you're yoked up. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're still praying about one. Raise your hand if you need to be willing to pray. <laughs> well, we're going to look at some practical steps. And the first step is this. Examine yourself. Are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? Are you your, is your relationship with Jesus Christ alive and real? Because, you know, we can't make a disciple unless we ourselves are disciples. We can't take them where we haven't gone ourselves. And from our soul, we can't give them something that we really don't have ourselves. That, that would be fake. And so the first thing we need to do, and it's good to do regardless of who we are, is to examine our hearts. How are we doing in Christ today? Are we growing in holiness, in discipline, in self-denial, growing in joy, not just serving the Lord, but with gladness and all the good stuff? The first practical step is to look inside. Am I a growing follower of Jesus Christ myself? And a second look is this. A second look is to look up. To look up, look inside first and look up to God in prayer. Prayerfully select your disciple. Jesus, before he selected the 12 disciples, the Bible says he went up onto a mountain and he spent the entire night in prayer. And then he came down from, after spending the night in prayer, he came down from the mountain and he chose Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and the 12. Jesus chose the 12 disciples with the Heavenly Father's guidance and leading. And you and I need to choose our disciples with the Holy Spirit's leading. Amen? Give it a lot of prayer. Prayerfully select your disciple. Prayer. Jesus was in lockstep with the Father. And the Bible says, walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this, this work, this work of making disciples is huge. It's eternal. It's more significant than we realize. And I'll also say this, this work of making disciples, it's not your work and it's not mine. It's primarily God's. It starts with God and it ends with God. But he just chooses to involve us in between. When you look at the Great Commission, it started with Jesus when he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go make disciples. And it ends with Jesus when he says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Lo, I am with you every baby step of the way as you try to disciple others. We're not in this alone. I'm glad, people. 
I almost wish he would have chose angels or something to wrap this history up, but he, cho- he said, you go, you go. Pr- prayerfully select your disciples. Jesus is with you as you select your disciple and as you do life with them. Lo, I am with you, says the Lord. Prayerfully select your disciple and also carefully select your disciple. You look in with examination, you look up in prayer and observe the person you're praying about discipling. Do they have a teachable attitude? Do they have humility in their life? Are they, are they wanting to grow? Because remember, Paul said, uh, Paul said to his disciple, uh, entrust these things not to any man, but entrust these things to faithful men, to teachable people that are willing to change. They're not perfect, just like we're not perfect. But they want to grow in Christ. They want the life of Christ. They don't, they're tired of what this world has to offer because they want Christ. Is there teachability? Is there humility? Carefully select your disciple. Making disciples is important because Christ commands it. It's our calling. And it's the road to, to fruitfulness in God's kingdom to make our daddy in heaven happy. To make our king, the Lord Jesus Christ, to make him pleased. May we be a people that yoke up together with others and see Christ formed and those around us to the glory of Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much that you loved us enough to send Jesus down. Thank you for this great salvation we have in him. And Lord, we pray, we ask you, Lord, help us obey you in making disciples. Help us obey you in this. Lord, deliver us from being just hearers, but help us to humbly be doers of your word. And Lord, uh, give us humble hearts. Take the scales off of our eyes. We all have blind spots. Would you work in us so that our fruitfulness increases in your kingdom for the glory of your name. Help us along, we pray, Father, in Jesus' strong name. Amen.